0: Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco,
1: I'm Mina Kim.
2: Smooth like butter, like a criminal undercover. Gone. Breaking into your heart like
1: that. Coming up on Forum, an ode to BTS fandom. The massively successful Korean pop group is on hiatus now, but not before their influence and record-breaking rise on U.S. music charts drew comparisons to the Beatles. What makes the bond between BTS and their fans, collectively known as ARMY, so unique? The Atlantic's Lenica Cruz has some ideas after charting her own unlikely journey from non-believer to stan in a new collection of her writings called On BTS. She joins us after this news.
2: I'm Mina
1: Kim. Welcome to Forum. Ladies and gentlemen, BTS. BTS. That was the moment when BTS performed on Saturday Night Live in 2019 that Atlantic senior editor Lenica Cruz first saw and heard the band. The song was Boy With Love. You might love it, or it might not be your thing, but something about BTS intrigues you anyway, writes Cruz about that performance. I figured I'd at least learn their stage names. One week later, I could tell you that and so much more. Lenica Cruz joins me now. Welcome to Forum. Thank you so much for having me. So, you went from never seeing BTS or hearing one of their songs to uh, as you describe it, taking a headlong plunge into the universe of BTS so what what did it for you what was it about that performance that did it for you?
3: you know I couldn't put my finger on it immediately um, but I think that's kind of the the, the way that BTS sucks you in uh, you see you see them perform you listen to their music, and something just immediately goes straight to to your brain or to your heart um and and then the next thing you know you're just kind of <laughs> you're in the world
1: yeah talk about what that headlong plunge was like what did you do
3: yeah, so for the first first week, I would say, I just listened to all of their most recent music, I watched a lot of music videos, uh, I would get home from work and I would just go on YouTube and watch all these interviews and, and conversations that they had done and watching uh, fan translations. And I didn't quite realize just how much there was to learn about BTS. I had never had this experience with any other group or any other <laughs> artist that I'd really liked. Um, and so it was it was really exciting. I just wanted to devour as much information as possible. And it was at first in the interest of just being more educated about them. And then I just realized that I wanted to learn about them for myself. Yeah. When
1: you decided to actually make it known that you were into them or or visit like Reddit groups or talk about it on social media. Eventually you actually published an Atlantic Mm -hmm. piece that was called I Wasn't a Fan of BTS and Then I Was. I'm curious what struck you by the reception you got or the community you tapped into?
3: Yeah, I guess I would say at first I felt pretty alone despite the fact that there are millions of people who are fans of BTS. I just didn't know anybody really in my own personal life who also knew about them or liked them. And so to find this enormous online community was really exciting and it it conjured these feelings that I hadn't had in a really long time. Um, the sense of being able to meet new people and you know I consider myself an introvert, but suddenly I just wanted to connect with strangers. And I think I was just surprised by how many people from different countries, different languages, different backgrounds, different ages, all told me that that my story sounded like their own. And I mm. I just I feel like that's a test testament to how how vast the BTS army is.
1: Yeah, we got some reactions before the show uh, and some comments about, about basically also taking the plunge, plunge into BTS fandom. And, and Jenny, for example, writes, In less than a year, I went from dismissing BTS as a corporate boy band to wondering what their names were to moving mountains to get tickets to see them live. Beyond BTS's music, being part of the fandom has been a masterclass in activism, the way BTS has inspired this massive international group of mostly women to connect across language and distance, organize around the things they care about, and master digital advocacy tactics, all as part of what feels like an underdog team. It's hard to think of anything more powerful. I want to invite more listeners to join the conversation. Curious, are you a fan? Are you a member of BTS Army? How did you become one? Is your story similar to that of Lenica Cruz? How was your trip down that rabbit hole of BTS fandom? Or maybe there was a song that brought you in. You can tell us by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at kqedforum. Or giving us a call at 866 733 6786. If not a BTS fan, have you been an obsessive fan of something? What was that like? So let me back up just a moment for listeners who may not be familiar with BTS. Who are they? Who are these seven guys?
3: So, yeah, they're uh, a group, like you said, of of seven young men who are from South Korea who got their start in 2013 as actually a, a hip hop focused group. and they're a group of of rappers and and singers and dancers. And they're very involved in writing and sometimes producing their own music. Um They have incredible live performances, stunning choreography. And they just have this really strong and organic relationship with, with their fans. They they started out with a very small label. Um, they did not have the machinery of of the mainstream media in Korea to really help them at the beginning. And so a lot of the way that they they gained fans over the years was through uh was through the internet, through their videos, through the uh, more candid conversations that they would have with their audiences. And then over the years, they just kind of exploded, uh, both globally and in the U.S.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that they were even underdogs in their home country, which makes their success in the U.S. You know, even a bigger feat, probably, than we we realize. Why didn't Korea embrace them at first?
3: I think you know. There's so many other idol groups in Korea. There's a lot of competition for for listeners and for for eyeballs, and and so I can't uh, I can't speak directly to like why they they didn't have uh, the biggest audience in Korea compared to some of their peers. Um, but I would say that they they do now. They do have a very dedicated um, a group of Korean armies who support them, and I think it was the fact that. Uh, just people around the world were able to to embrace their their message even across language was the thing that the, i think the spreading of word of mouth really um is, is is part of why bts managed to break through
1: yeah was it also some of the things that they would sing about that would sometimes draw controversy or at least make them viewed as a little edgy in korea
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they did do things that were quite, that are a bit different that made them stand out. I mean, they had some more political messages in some of their earlier songs. You know, it was all very subtle and a lot of uh, idol groups tend to be more apolitical and and avoid courting controversy. And I think that, you know, BTS's music would speak to the struggles of of young people in school and struggles with mental health. And I think that level of candor wasn't something that, was necessarily very common and it made them it definitely made them stand out and they they embrace that image of of themselves as underdogs
1: well we got this voicemail actually from a listener uh, about what bts means to them let's hear it
4: i'm army for sure and i'm only maybe a few years into being army but what it has brought me is just this immeasurable happiness and it's educated me so much it's made me find this community of so many people of all walks of life that are like-minded and it's really ridiculous sense of humor and that has been the best part of being the and part of the famine for me is that it's made life fun again and it's given me things to laugh at just to be silly and it has been so rewarding to just kind of have.
1: Yeah. When I listen to that, it reminds me a little bit about what you were saying about the fact that um, they can talk about serious topics that are really meaningful to a lot of people, but also in a way um, that brings lightness and respect um, to people's lives. I want to ask you about the song spring day. It's their 2017 hit. You've called this, the quintessential BTS song, and I understand it is one of the more popular songs among Army. Can you talk about the song a little bit?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we like to call her uh, the song uh, like the Queen, Queen Spring Day. Um, she, she. The song has been extremely popular ever since uh, it came out in 2017. And you know, the you can you can listen to it and watch the music video without knowing much context about what inspired it and the song is uh is quite different from anything else that bts has released it's you know it there's there's the rapping and there's also a bit more it, it's sort of uh it's very melodic and very you know incorporates sounds of like rock and and it's a bit of a ballad and i think that what what really stands out is the soulfulness of it this refrain is i miss you i miss you and what the song is you know, the BTS has acknowledged that it was inspired by um, the Sewol Ferry disaster, which took place in 2014 in in Korea, in which um, around 250 high school students were killed, and this enormous loss of life was was just, you know, devastating. And yes. this song came out a couple a few years later, and it just gave voice to this sense of loss and grief and and yearning that young people can feel. And it just, it took off in Korea and it's still something that ARMY really treasures to this day. Well,
1: let's, let's hear spring day and hear a lot of it. talking bts you're listening to forum i'm Nina king
0: support for forum comes from san francisco opera
2: Cause I'm in the stars tonight So watch me bring the fire I set the night light Shoes on, get up in the moon, cup of milk let's rock and roll Kick out, kick the drum, rolling on like a rolling stone Sing song when I'm walking home, jump up to the top of the brown
1: Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about BTS this hour with Lenica Cruz, Senior Editor at The Atlantic, whose new book called On BTS, Pop Music, Fandom, Sincerity, collects her writings for The Atlantic on the once-in-a-generation pop sensation. And you can join the conversation. Tell us, is there a song that brought you to BTS? Why? Are you a big fan? Are you a member of BTS Army? What brought you there? Have you been an obsessive fan of anything? And what did that experience bring to you? Email forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED forum. Call us at 866-733-6786. 866-733-6786. We've got Jessica in Santa Rosa on the line. Hi, Jessica. You're on. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What did you want to say? What's on your mind?
4: So, um... I just wanted to say, this isn't about BTS uh, specifically, but I had a very similar experience um, with Japanese rock bands a few years ago, where, um, you know, we would get together on an international level with similar fans, and we would, you know, translate the songs and share them online Mm. and kind of form our own little um, kind of underground fan groups and um, just it was such a tremendous experience for me and for everyone. And, and for a lot of the fan groups, this is still going on. Um, yeah. But there, there, what I discovered personally was there is kind there's, despite all of the really positive things that come out of it. Um, for Like for me personally, I learned Japanese and I was inspired to go to Japan and, try to get involved in the music industry, and I learned some upsetting things about the music industry there that kind of jaded me personally about mm. just kind of how the record labels, not all of them, but some of them run the show.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point, actually, Jessica, because it reminds me actually of something that Lenica Cruz talked about with regard to how to cover bts is to realize uh, that you are getting into some really complex issues including uh, the music industry as well and its institutional biases or other ways that it acts i'm not sure exactly what your experience was in japan but i imagine there were were some real real dark sides um so so thanks so much for bringing that up um And Lenica, I do want to explore that with you a little more. We just heard a little bit of BTS's first English language single, uh, Dynamite. And I will admit that this was actually the first song I'd heard um, and the first performance I'd seen by BTS because of their tiny desk concert. So, through NPR, of course. but but I think by examining the rise of Dynamite, it, it reveals a lot of things about our own music industry here in the U.S., as well as about the band and the fans. So, so let's dig into that a little bit. First of all, describe Dynamite for us. We heard a tiny bit of it, but just describe it as a song, which I really felt like just kind of oozed California. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. I would describe it as a very sunny, you know, sort of sort of uh, 70s inflected song. And it's just a very, um, it's, it, you know, it's meant to be played on the radio. It's meant to be liked immediately from the first time you hear it. And so it made a lot of sense that Dynamite was their first all English language single. It brought in
1: so many new fans. And it also really showcased the dedication of BTS's fan base right this became the first all south korean act to have a number 1 single on the billboard hot 100 what role did the fans play in that
3: yeah so the fans you know it's very it's impossible to talk about bts without army and obviously army without bts but i think that over the years uh bts's fans had Un- understood the limitations of of the uh, American music industry. They wouldn't. They, they, sometimes fans would send flowers and and letters to radio stations, begging them to play BTS, only to get a few spins here and there or nothing at all because BTS's music wasn't predominantly in English. And so, you know, in the case of of Dynamite, things had come quite far for both BTS and Army, and. So fans really took us to the challenge to let's try to make this song number one on the Hot 100. And I think that streaming, you know, streaming, listening to the song as much as possible, sharing it with people, the fact that this song got a lot of radio play um, all conspired to help make this song uh, indeed a number one hit for them. And I would say that really Dynamite was maybe the the greatest expression of this a uh, collaborative effort among army from across the world to both um you know advocate for bts to to uh, stream stream their music to buy their music i think the fact that uh bts's fans are so willing to actually purchase physical copies of albums which is something that not a lot of people do anymore i think that all contributed to to dynamite being able to be pushed over the top
1: yeah though you also point out how that was critiqued or questioned by some music journalists. I'm thinking of that Stereogum piece you cite that mm-hmm. that said, if you look at the charts, you're going to get a completely distorted idea of how popular BTS actually are and that, that ARMY was gaming the system that essentially there appeared to be more fans than there really were for mm-hmm. that song.
3: Yeah. It's kind of interesting that, uh, that a lot of critics will single out Army for simply following the rules the, the the given rules uh that that you know that billboard and other charts are actually very um unclear about you know we're not even sure what the term exact terms of how how these uh how these charts are calculated but at the same time it's very it, it's kind of funny to me that someone will criticize a group of fans for listening to and buying music there's there's no <laughs> shady business that's going on and i think that organic that organic um, enthusiasm is can be very intimidating or confusing to some people. And I think, um, you know, that there's so many, like any fandom is going to to do its best for for the artists. And I think for BTS, because there are other things about them that might raise skepticism among among listeners, it's very easy to just go after the fans and to say that they're doing, you know, they're 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 gaming the system when in fact they're they're going by what the system says that they should do.
1: Let me go to caller Stephanie in San Francisco. Hi, Stephanie. You're on.
6: Hi there. Thanks for having me. Um, I am calling to tell you guys the story of how I discovered uh, BTS and and why we love them. Um, In 2020, my preschooler who, who loves music came home and said, Mom, Mom, um, we learned a new song at school today. It's called Dynamite, and uh, my husband and I proceeded to do some research, like what is this song, what is this band, and it, it, I mean, of course, we fell in love with Dynamite right away. And um, it's such a happy, catchy song, and and we it just became our anthem of the year. I think it was a tough year, you know, for for everyone, and the song was so happy and fun, and we we. You know, we went down a rabbit hole. We watched so many videos and listened to so many songs by them. And um, personally, I grew up in the age of um, boy bands, you know, coming to age during that time. And I think for me as a, as a 40-something um, mom, I love BTS because it's really nostalgic mm yeah um, you know, there's something yeah. nostalgic about it and totally. in addition to that um we're Asian, so we're Asian Americans and I, I love the idea of my I have two boys, but I love the idea of the the two of them seeing uh, Asian idols um in the in the main pop culture, so that made us mm. happy and 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 I, love I ended that, up going Stephanie. to their concert. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: That must have been yeah. that must have been a total experience. It's so similar for me in terms of, of seeing an Asian band idolized in the US is definitely not something that happened when I was a kid. Uh, and to see it now is very exciting, especially as a parent. And with regard to age, Stephanie's preschooler, Susie writes, the thing I love most about the fandom is that it's all ages, all genders, all nationalities. It always amazes me to see the number of languages in the comments under their videos as for age i'm old enough to be their mother but i saw a video from an 86 year old fan on tiktok just yesterday so we older fans are out here patrick writes sorry not a fan never been a boy band fan i don't get it <laughs> tell us what you think of bts if you're a member of bts army and why or if you've been an obsessive fan of something and what being an obsessive fan brought you you can email forum at org. find us on twitter facebook or instagram at kqed forum or call us 866-733-6786 lenica cruz is on with us senior editor covering culture for the Atlantic, we're hearing a lot of love for Dynamite Lenica, but you have written about how the ascendancy of Dynamite is is bittersweet for some fans. Why so?
3: Yeah, so I, as I write in the in the collection, I think uh, whether or not BTS intended this, the only English language single that they had released up until that point was their biggest chart success. And it did outperform the dozens of of more artistically ambitious records that they they themselves wrote or produced in Korean. And I think for you know for fans who have listened to their discography as a whole, um, and and looking at the the success of dynamite, they might feel Sad that none of the other songs that they themselves might might love even more or feel even more worthy of listeners did not get that kind of attention because of the language that the songs were in, yeah. and so I think uh, seeing you know seeing dynamite achieve those heights definitely invited more people in and and provided a gateway for folks who might not otherwise have been exposed to BTS. But at the same time, there is always that feeling that they they deserved better. Um, and, and that Dynamite might pave the way for for other things.
1: Yes. You wondered, could their Korean language song ever get to the same place that Dynamite got to? And then it did happen really fast, right?
3: Right. It happened a couple of months later, which I was absolutely uh, not expecting. But it it did seem like things were going in that direction. Yeah. Um, the, just the way that dynamite broke out with people and just, I mean, it was incredible that one of the, the uh, people who called in mentioned that 2020 was such a difficult time for a lot of people. And I think dynamite did feel like a fresh uh, you know, a breath of fresh air and just pulling in more, more people who hadn't been exposed to BTS made it so that a, a song written in Korean was able to achieve the same thing that Dynamite had a few months before.
1: Tell us about that song, Life Goes On.
3: Yeah, Life Goes On was, you know, it's all it's all in the title. It was this uh song. I, I think that BTS described it as being a little bit like a spiritual successor of sorts to spring day, but it it really was meant to be kind of, I think like a hug, like a warm hug for people who were just feeling very isolated and alienated, and you know, depressed and anxious about the pandemic, and life goes on. Did kind of speak to the future that a lot of people couldn't see very clearly, and I think that it was just such a, such a comforting, a comforting and and quiet song. It didn't even have uh, any original choreography, which is very unusual for a BTS title track, and I think the emphasis was very much supposed to be on on the lyrics and the message.
1: Well let's hear life
2: goes on we're talking about bts the pop group from korea known for their
1: Music video choreography, their incredible pop hits, and their dedicated fan base. Lenica Cruz is a fan. She's also a senior editor covering culture for the Atlantic and has written a book called On BTS Pop Music, Fandom, and Sincerity. Rita writes, I experienced the same journey as the author starting from not knowing who they are and educating myself to learning about them from their music and variety shows and now today I'm inspired by them every single day, the energy and honesty that Bangtan boys have brought to the world are incredible, I'm a 43 year old mom with two kids, I've been a proud member of BTS ARMY for almost two years, I converted my 10 year old daughter to become ARMY, love BTS. The pure love, respect, and support they have for each other and for their fans are the best kind of love anyone could ask for. Susie writes, I learned about BTS through my youngest niece, but became ARMY myself during the pandemic. I really needed a distraction during COVID, and I ended up binge-watching everything BTS. I bought all the albums and visited lyric translation sites. The more I learned about each of the members and how hard they've worked is what really made me a fan. They're not just talented performers, writers, and dancers, but genuinely charming and funny, but also not afraid to show their emotions or their love for one another and their fans. And beyond the impressive showmanship, there's something really deep In their songwriting. I've been an indie rock fan for decades, so I have a lot of friends who don't get why I've turned into a diehard BTS fan. I tell them they're missing out. If they can just get past the image of a boy band, they'll find so much more there. Lenica, I'm wondering, do you think that we belittle fandom, or do you think that people are more willing to belittle BTS fandom?
3: I think fandom in general uh is something that people are willing to to maybe you know sneer at and I think especially anything that would be considered like boy band or pop fandom for sure because you know boy bands uh and, and groups are seen as as trivial and I think part of this is the fact that a lot of times their their audience is is women or young women which is a demographic I think that tends to be to be very casually dismissed. Um, mm. their, their tastes and their, their their interests, I think, can be used as shorthand for it doesn't matter and that it's superficial. Whereas other genres that are perceived as having maybe more male, male fans, um, like Indie Rock that was just mentioned, I think automatically connote as sort of there's there's, there's a, a higher brow element to it. And so I do think that a lot of that trickles down to the way that BTS and BTS' fans are spoken about.
1: Hmm. Well, we're coming up on another break, and I want to ask you about your favorite track, and that is Run. Tell us about Run.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Run came out in 2016. And I think, uh, you know, this is a, a song that has a special place in my heart alongside Spring Day. It's just such a... Um, An energetic song, I I, I would describe it as a bit more like emo rock Uh, and even though it's ostensibly about love gone wrong, I think it really captures the spirit of intensity and passion and earnest youth and it's just such a catchy song
1: We're talking with Lenica Cruz about BTS, this is Run
2: (laughs) (S) I'm not gonna not
1: We'll have more on BTS and fandom with Lenica Cruz and you, our listeners, after the break. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
2: Oh, And the on main twenty four hours. the and Welcome
1: back to Forum. I am Mina kim. Lenica Cruz writes that she's found in covering BTS that the most interesting insights tend to arise from treating BTS with specificity. That is, from looking at the group in terms of its origins, she writes, trajectory, artistic development, and relationship with fans. And that is definitely what we are talking about today. Beth tweets, while I'm not a follower of BTS, after the onset of the pandemic, I love that their music is happy and simply fun much needed. And uh, the fact that Beth is bringing up the pandemic, and so many people have brought up how the music that uh, of BTS played such an important role for them during the pandemic makes me think that this track that we just heard, Disease, really, or Disease with a hyphen between the S and the E, really, I think kind of captures why they were able to have success during a time when a lot of groups struggled with the fact that they weren't able to perform, weren't able to be out there in person with their fans.
3: What yeah, think, I think yeah, I think this song as you say um it was written during the pandemic. If the pandemic hadn't happened, the song and the rest of the album that it was part of Uh, wouldn't exist. And I think that it, as you heard, has a sort of old school hip hop sound, which I think goes back to BTS's um, origins of the group, but also the song pretty squarely addresses the exhaustion and overwork that I think they as a group, but also a lot of people were feeling this sense of, of claustrophobia of being um, disconnected from the world. And yet when you listen to it, it, it sounds very upbeat and and kind of fun. And I think they're able to convey these messages in a way that doesn't drag people down as well. They're able to give voice to these feelings that are quite common um, in a way that brings people together.
1: You say that they have a certain duality, like an ability to be both intimate, which was helpful during the pandemic, but also big. (laughs) Can you talk about why this duality stood out for you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think... uh, this, the duality that I talk about in the piece is very much about the way that they're able to create a sense of, of intimacy and closeness with fans, even from afar, even though they might not speak the same language as their fans, and even though they are this enormous pop group, I think that sense of being... Able to communicate directly and speak to some of these quietest fears and and concerns and and hopes even uh, is balanced out also by the fact that they put on these spectacular live shows, you know the most bombastic and high production performances you'll ever see. And I know a lot of people who aren't even wouldn't even describe themselves as army or as fans of BTS have either seen videos of their concerts or attended concerts with a friend or, or family member and have been absolutely blown away by it. And I think. Um, the fact that they were able to still connect with people despite not being able to do that in person during the pandemic is is really a testament to them.
1: Well, Ron writes, are there male BTS fans?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, uh, you can ask my husband who identifies as an army. Um, I actually have a lot of male friends who I, who would call themselves uh, BTS fans. And that was another surprising, uh, pleasantly surprising thing. I think the, the common image of a BTS fan is a, a woman or a young woman. And I actually got emails from men uh, after I published my first piece, including one father who uh, said that his wife doesn't necessarily understand why he likes BTS so much, but he just loves their music and thinks they're really talented. And so I do think that uh, male armies out there do not get enough
5: attention.
1: And male armies all over the (laughs) world. We also got a voicemail from another listener who just talked about sort of the global friendships that they've made as a result of being a fan of BTS. Let's listen.
6: I became a fan of BTS um, prior to the pandemic, Um, but since then um, I now have friends all across the world in Singapore, in Germany, in Mexico, in Canada, um, here in North America. Um, just all over. I have multiple WhatsApp chats going, um, and it's just been a great way to communicate with um, friends through their music uh, and just have a, a common bond. And it's it's just a really nice thing to have and to relate to. Lenica, I understand that
1: you uh, have learned Korean as a result of um, becoming a BTS fan. But that you've wrestled with your fandom that you've wrestled being both a journalist and a fan. (laughs) And I'm wondering how you reconcile those two identities as someone who reports on BTS and, and as journalists, we're taught to have this sort of distance from our subjects.
3: Yeah, well, first I want to say I don't actually I am not fluent in Korean by any means. I can read a bit and I can understand a bit. Um, but that would take me many, many years. And I'm just uh I don't know if I'm smart enough to do that. But I will say, yeah, uh, I did I did learn so much more than I thought I would. And I think the tension that you describe, uh, you know, that I that I believed was so difficult at first between being a fan and being a journalist. You know, certainly I I pay attention to things like like tone and audience when I'm writing a piece for the Atlantic versus when I'm tweeting or speaking with my friends. But at the same time, I realized that one thing that I felt was missing from a lot of English language or American media coverage of BTS was a startling lack of curiosity or even, um, or even a willingness to familiarize themselves with, with, the thing that they were writing about and mm. I feel like my the fact that I was a fan meant that I just knew so much more that I was that I wanted to get things right that I uh, was committed to accuracy and that I was willing to go the extra mile to just understand the the subject that I was writing about and I think a lot of times uh, people who are le- more casually familiar or people who are critics will see their you know will will just be, be ignorant essentially and consider that objectivity. And I've seen that happen time and time again in pieces about BTS, where adopting a sort of distant or snarking or ironic tone about them is somehow the same thing as as doing good journalistic coverage. And so I, I you know certainly a lot of the pieces that I write about BTS are on the more positive side, but I think it's meant to be a counterbalance to a lot of the um to the to the to the pieces that really make these sweeping assumptions about them that have sort of xenophobic undertones and and I wanted to kind of use my platform to be able to um, to respond to that and counteract that.
1: We're talking with Lanika Cruz, senior editor covering culture for the Atlantic. Her book is on BTS, pop music fandom sincerity. Let me go to caller Zoya in Washington D.C. Hey Zoya, thanks for calling.
4: Hi, thank you for holding this today. I just wanted to share a little story. So I've been a fan of BTS since they debuted in 2013. At the time, I was going through high school in Oklahoma. And being the same age as some of the members of BTS, I think it's been a really special experience sort of growing up alongside them. Um, You know, I think I've been motivated by what I consider to be truly global messages in their music that apply to every stage in life. That could be standing up for yourself. It could be about falling in love, out of love. Um, and especially about pursuing your dreams, no matter what the world says. And I think what BTS does an amazing job of is really capturing people's experience in their work. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Lenica for her phenomenal writing on
1: BTS. Oh, so yeah, thanks. Uh, we're, we're getting a couple of interesting comments here that I'd love to get your thoughts on, Lenica. Mandy writes, there's a K-pop store in San Francisco called Sarang Hello. They've moved three times, growing their storefront to a larger location each time. I've been wanting to go into it since it has such great energy, but have been so intimidated since I don't know much about K-pop. Your guest story is inspiring me to check it out. Um, Another listener writes, Shelby, shout out to those other various K-pop bands that opened the door, that enabled for BTS more global appeal. The band Big Bang is one of my favorites and were the kings until they had to do military service. Cheers to them all and the fun they bring to the world. And Laura writes... um, I'm a K-pop fan, but more of a generalist than a BTS fan. I often see any positive tweet about another group getting comments about BTS having done it first or better. Is ARMY aware of that
3: toxic component?
1: What are your thoughts, Annika?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that when you have a fandom that is literally tens of millions of people, if not more, around the world, uh, you're going to have people just, you know, maybe leaving snarky comments or just being um you know like like more reactive and i think that on the whole uh army is very protective of bts and is responding to a lot of um i think negativity that different fandoms early on as BTS was coming up uh, would direct at them. And so I think part of this is a protectiveness. is in the protectiveness, a sense of wanting BTS not to necessarily be lumped in with every single other group um, and for them to be acknowledged on their own terms and for their own accomplishments. But I do think, um, you know, to the, to the caller who was interested in K-pop in general and wanting to listen to music, I think you should do it. You should, you, it doesn't have to be BTS. I think it's always good for people to be, pushing themselves and to listen to music that's not necessarily in their own language i mean you might find a different group that resonates with you more but um just try not to i would say focus on your own your own tastes and interests and not necessarily get caught up in in a lot of the fandom you know the inner fandom wars or inner fandom you know debates and and things that can happen because i do think that that can be toxic and distracting when in fact BTS themselves, I think, are very, on the whole, positive and um, want to be focused on the music.
1: We're talking about BTS, the Korean pop group known for its breezy pop hits and incredible dance moves and music video choreography, and of course, its dedicated fan base. And you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Muskin writes, I've been a fan since I was 10 years old, and I'm 18 now. I first got into them and K-pop when I randomly saw one of their music videos on YouTube in fifth grade. They've been with me through my adolescence, and their music has supported me with its lyrics and their personalities in some really hard moments. They have really been a giant force in who I am today I remember Lenka, you writing a little bit about how they also helped you personally better cope with an anxiety disorder. How, how did BTS do that for you?
3: Yeah, as I I think uh, this is something that I write about a bit more in the expanded you know the book as opposed to just in the piece that ended up online. But when I found BTS in early 2019, I was very much recovering from this ongoing panic disorder anxiety disorder that had kept me inside the house a lot of times I stopped going and seeing friends I stopped going on the airplane I stopped even being able to get on the subway or sometimes walk around the corner from my house and I was already starting to overcome some of that but by the time I found BTS I think I needed an extra push something that made me okay with choosing my own happiness and joy over listening to my fear. And I think that being able to have the prospect of going to New Jersey from Washington, D.C. to see them in concert, um, and my husband went with me, that was something I never thought I'd be able to do again, was being in a crowd full of tens of thousands of people, uh, a situation that would have terrified me before, but being there because I just wanted to be part of something and that I, I knew it was going to make me happy. And I think a lot of people have experienced that in different ways, even if they themselves don't struggle with anxiety or panic attacks, is having happiness and joy being okay, like being okay with choosing that over other things um, is a surprisingly difficult thing for a lot of people.
1: Hmm. Well, Liz writes, I'm a 60 plus Asian mom whose previous music tastes ran to hard rock, punk and new wave, but I became a hardcore fan after seeing them on Saturday night live, digging into their catalog and reading their translated lyrics made me appreciate them even more. So, They are on hiatus, though, right now. (laughs) Uh, BTS is not putting out songs as BTS. Can you talk a little bit about them wanting to take a break, the military service uh, that they are obligated to do, and what the members are doing now?
3: Yeah, so last June, uh, the members released a video explaining that they were going to take a step back from releasing music as a group to focus more on their own individual projects and you know fans understood that as a sort of prelude to them eventually uh, starting to announce that they would enlist in the military, Uh, all the members need to uh, perform their mandatory service of about 18 months between now and uh, the next several years, but they're planning to go in um, within the next two years. And so, one of the one of the members, Jen, is already enlisted, and the next six members are going to follow suit at some point. And while you know they're waiting and, and figuring out the timing around that, they're also releasing a lot of their own music, a lot of their own musical projects, um, whether that's new new albums or new singles or collaborations. They're just kind of using this time to work at things at their own pace, to not have to deal with touring schedules or the sort of rapid fire uh, comeback schedules that a lot of groups have to deal with. And I think that after the last two years, uh, well, the last two years, plus two plus years of the pandemic, but then also the fact that they've never really taken a break since 2013, I think this has been a really freeing time for them. The fact that they've basically you know they're sort of at the top of the world now and they can release music without the same kinds of pressures that they faced back in 2013 when they debuted
1: yeah but but BTS's relationship with their fans as we've underscored throughout the show is symbiotic in in ways that that can seem unique even in other sort of fan fan groups. So how are fans handling this time? I know there's a lot of solo work, as you say, for them to get excited about, but what have you noticed?
3: I think I've noticed fans... Trying to impress upon BTS that they're still going to be around whenever they come back together as a group, and I think I found that a lot of uh, people who don't follow BTS are very skeptical of that idea. They, a lot of people interpreted hiatus to mean a breakup, and I think BTS has been very, very clear that that is not their intention. That they have no interest in breaking up. That they just need a break. And I think fans are just interested in supporting them, um, in in listening to their music, and sometimes doing projects where they chart old old albums or, um, you know, rewatching old variety shows or buying new music and just finding ways to support them and respect their privacy and, and their, their interests at the moment. And so it's definitely a bit of a more, I, I, w- I want to say more passive or, or sort of calm <laughs> time in the fandom at the same time, you know, you still have the other six members doing all kinds of things, releasing new music. And so yeah. I think Army is just trying to to stay focused on all of that.
1: Well, this listener tweets, does BTS's success indicate more welcomeness for future Korean or other Asian musicians in the US?
3: You know, I think uh, in some ways, in some ways, yes, I think uh, hopefully more people are open to listening to music. That's not necessarily in English. And at the same time, I think, you know, I'm resistant to the notion that there is something, such thing as like the next BTS. Um, I think that, each group should be able to feel like they can distinguish themselves based on their own style and talents. And I certainly think that um, it would be wonderful if people who listen to BTS are able to listen to other kinds of music as well, and that um, they that this that this openness can extend to other kinds of musicians.
1: Lenica Cruz, senior editor, covering culture for the Atlantic. Her new book, On BTS, has been described as a love letter to a a once-in-a-generation pop sensation. Lenica Cruz, thanks so much for being with us.
3: It was lovely joining you. Thank you, Mina.
1: Thank you, listeners, fans, for joining us, too. Thank you, Caroline Smith, for producing today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim.